Welcome to another ADHD episode on the Parenting in the Thick of It show. I am exploring a wonderful book in a book club book club podcast series. And the book is called What Your ADHD Child Wishes You Knew by Dr. Sharon Celine. Please note that all the information I share in this episode is copyright to Dr. Celine. So please be respectful of that. I certainly am. And don't forget you can find her on Facebook, Instagram and her website which is www.drsharoncelene.com. So today in part 16, I am discussing chapter 12, You've Got to Have Friends. And I think this is, I mean, this is for, for everybody. We all need friends. Any child needs friends. ADHD kids need friends. And in this chapter, Dr. Celine helps us understand why the challenges of ADHD can pose a, a challenge for ADHD kids making friends and at the end of the chapter which I think I'll spend more time on she talks about the really serious stuff like what your teenagers and risky behaviors so stay tuned till the end so you don't miss miss out but at the end of the day we all want our kids to form strong friendships because we know that you only need one friend and that one friend can can make such a huge difference to the way in which we navigate life. And like any kids, some kids find it easy to make friends and some kids find it hard to make friends. But the challenges that ADHD throws into the mix is that they can um they can struggle with social cues. They might miss facial cues and physical cues. They might be so excited to be out playing with friends that they're over exuberant, that they that they miss the kind of social nuances that can that other kids might recognize, know when to step back, know when enough is enough. And they can sometimes just push the barrier. And what happens is the kids will, will run away and not include them in the next game kind of thing. So we need to figure out our role and what our role is because when our kids were younger, we could kind of control the groups of friends they hung out with because at the end of the day, we had to call the parents to say, hey, do you fancy a play date with my son? But as they get older, they can do that for themselves. So we have less influence on them as they get older. But they often feel left out because they don't fully understand that each of us interacts with others in a range of ways. Like we can have acquaintances, we can have friends, best friends, and you know, later on in life, significant others. But they can sometimes not be good with the boundaries between those categories. So they might say something to an acquaintance that they think's okay, but the acquaintance is like, I hardly know you. Seriously, you're saying that? Or they might not treat their best friend very kindly, or they might overdo something with their best friend, and their best friend will be left thinking, I thought you were really friendly with me. Friends, don't do that to each other kind of thing. So we need to help them learn social cues. We need to help them develop the skills that we know they need so they can read body language, they can read facial cues. And there's one, um, she shares in this chapter many stories from many kids about the challenges they have with making friends. Here's what Bree says, Bree is 11. The only friends I have are people who appreciate me. I'm the jerk, the idiot, the crazy lady, the artist, 
always kind of on the outside of the box. My friends are outside of the boxers too. We like the dweebs. Inside the boxers, they're perfect and cool and everybody likes them. Not a lot in the box are nice to me, but I don't want to be inside the box. It's boring. When you're outside the box, you're in the adventure. So I love it. Brie has accepted who she is. And I can guarantee that behind Brie are parents who have accepted Brie as she is. Because behind every child who accepts their uniqueness and their individuality is a parent who has helped foster that belief in the child. So really important for us as as adults. So we can help our kids be more like Brie. And we can talk with our kids about who, if anyone, is a potential new friend. You know, help them understand that friends seek friends who are who have similar interests, who have similar um, a way of being. They might, you know, whether they're in the box or out the box. If you're someone out the box, you'll struggle to relate to people in the box. And if you're in the box, you're going to struggle to relate to people out the box. So helping our kids understand who it is they really are, what floats their boat, what are their interests? You know, your kid might be interested in chess, but you never played chess and you want them so desperately to play rugby. You push them into the rugby uh, practice and the rugby playing field, they're not going to vibrate there. They're going to feel totally out of sorts there. So we have to honor what it is they need, what it, what it is they love, and try and help them work within the nuances within that to help them um, navigate friendships and learn the social skills that they need. She has a chapter on bullying, which I'm not going to go into in any detail here, but it's really, really good, like everything in the book. But the other thing that she did, does mention, and I'll mention it briefly before I go on to the risky behaviours, is kids, no kid likes to leave a party or a play date or an adventure outside or a holiday that they're really enjoying. Nobody does. No adult does. We, as we get older and we have a bit of wisdom, we know it's actually better to leave something while we're enjoying it because no matter how great it is, it will always come to an end. So if we leave on the high, we have really great memories, but kids struggle with that. So if your kids struggle with leaving the playground or leaving a play date and you then have to face the music after that and they create the, you know, the, the Oscar winning performance on the floor, on the floor in the, your friend's house or on the playground, then what can you do to try and help them understand that it is going to come to an end? Set, you know, give them warnings. If they're at someone's house and you're not there, call the mum and say, hey, can you just give Jim the heads up that I'll be there in 10 minutes and kind of work him out of the play date. So when I get there, he, he knows I'm coming and he understands we're leaving. Great tip. And sometimes we forget. And we, then we expect our kids to be able to just leave. We want to whip them away when we're ready and we sometimes forget that they might not be ready so risky business this is the the crux of it really because as you if you've got younger kids you will realize that as they become teen tweens and teens they have hormones that come into play add to that they there are certain characteristics and traits that most teenagers exhibit they become impulsive irrational know-it-all, reactive, emotional. Socially, they just want to be with their friends. So you think about that and think of some of the um, 
challenges with ADHD. They're impulsive, they're illogical, they can't access their higher order thinking. They're disorganized, they can't focus as, as easily, their attention wanders. So add that with teenagers and you know the, the, um, the challenges can be especially great. And studies have found that kid, teens with ADHD from all backgrounds are more likely to try cigarettes, alcohol and marijuana earlier than their peers and are four to five times more likely to escalate heavy cigarette and marijuana use after trying these, escalate to heavier cigarette and marijuana use after trying these substances once. So look at why they make these, um, these choices and why these dicey choices can be attractive to kids with ADHD. Many of them pursue these activities as another way to gain acceptance, act cool and compensate for feeling inadequate. Sadly, these kids do have a lower self-esteem. They don't feel like they're good enough. They've carried this freaking label around with them for many, many years. They hate it. They don't like it. They just want to fit in. They just want to be the same as everyone else. They see, okay, what could I do to make me look cool? And their whole judgment, their logic, their rationale is skewed slightly, not only because of teenagerhood, but add in the ADHD symptoms and what happens and, and what's going on with their executive functioning. And it will lead to more riskier behaviors or them choosing to do it. So they all struggle with curbing their impulses and lack the resources to make alternative choices. And as she says on page 197, there's no single way to address risky behaviours like the ones she's described. The best options involve maintaining a positive connection with your teen and nurturing their self-confidence. And it can be confusing to know how to respond when your kid comes home absolutely hammered or stoned. But the one piece of advice I have, which is the same as Dr. Celine's, is cool off before you talk to them. In the heat of the moment, when they're drunk, when they're stoned, when they're if if maybe they're lying and you know you can smell the the vape juice off them, is just somehow self control. First C of of the ADHD season parenting, you have to be able to control yourself because when we lose control of ourselves because of fear, it's a scary thing when your kids come home drunk, stoned, or whatever. I've had it happen. It's terrifying. But going in in fear is, is, in, is the wrong seat to be driving from because you will only react in ways that will not foster the connection. You'll, you'll fra fracture the connection you have with your, your teen and then you're hooped because you can't advise them, guide them, lead them. They just think you're judging them and being critical. So moving forward, make sure, try and make sure that if you do have a partner in crime that you're both on the same page and get some information from your teens. So ask them the what's, where's, when's and how's before you put your assumptions and presumptions onto them. Clarify the options they saw for themselves. So ask them, you know, what options did you have? And go through them with no judgment, with no frustration, with no tone. This is really hard, but trust me, it works. I've done it. It works. And see if you can find an aspect of their predicament that you can relate to. Like, I remember that when I was younger. It's so hard to say no when everyone else is smoking the joint. It takes a lot to say no, but 
I know how hard it is. I remember one time I didn't say no and it went horribly wrong. I remember the other times I did say wrong, say no. It was always better for me. Empathize with them. Have their backs. Um, and remember, they want their brain to calm down and ask them what they need. they think should happen now. So give them the opportunity to say, okay, this has happened. You came home stoned. How are we going to move forward with this? Before in a reactive state, you might have just said, that's it. You're grounded. You're not going out for four weekends. You're missing all the parties. So I'll ask you this. So what happens after four weeks when you've grounded them and they've missed all the parties? They're going to go to a party. So be careful what you wish for because you can't ground your teen forever. You can't punish them forever. Punishing them hardens their hearts and and denies them of the the opportunity to learn from their mistakes. And grounding them is actually a punishment. So what do you want here? What do you want for your, your teen? She also says this. I love this. This is in a little box. It says parent teen trust is like a bank account that breaches resembling overdraws. Sorry, parent teen trust is like a bank account with breaches resembling overdraws. So share this with your kids. Say something like, we've agreed to no drinking and smoking on our property. I'm very disappointed you broke that agreement and my trust. I'm curious about why you did it, what was going on and what do you think should happen now? And kids understand this metaphor that if you breach your trust, it's like taking money out of a bank account. The bank account needs topped up. So share that with them. But you must offer ways um, for them to earn your trust back as part of the decision. And whatever you do, stick with your plan. Otherwise, they don't take it seriously. Despite whatever typical adolescent snarkiness or reaction you may receive, your teen still needs and wants your support. Being available to listen, comfort and talk through things is essential for keeping them on a positive track and addressing risky behaviours. Page 198199, I'm reading here. When teens are busy with sports, extracurricular activities, maybe a part-time job, they build confidence and resilience and they develop a wider network of friends so they don't have to rely on one group. This is a really, um, this is a really wise thing to try and foster in them, open up these opportunities for them, try and encourage them to, to, um, to move into different groups. Try it out. Try out the the ultimate team, try out the cookery club, try out the, you know, the, the, a religious meeting or a political meeting at school, just to keep them involved in different peer groups. And always remember, if you're concerned about issues like substance use and sexuality for your son or daughter, Dr. Celine strongly encourages you to seek professional help. There is no award for handling these kinds of challenges alone. Seek out support if you need it. So a really, really um, powerful chapter. And, you know, I know with the parents I deal with, many of, and specifically I deal with a lot of parents of teens because of the book I've written called Parenting the Modern Teen. It's really hard. You know, when our kids get to teen, teen, the teen years, it can be really challenging. And teen years plus ADHD is, a, is an interesting concoction. And we have to be really good at navigating it if we hope to maintain the connection with our child and therefore our position as a guide, leader and supporter of them. So don't forget to tune in next week to chapter 13, which is plugged in 
all about technology. This one will be good. Looking forward to reading the chapter and going through it with you. And remember, I am interviewing Dr. Celine very soon about her book and everything ADHD. So if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, make sure you do so you don't miss any future episodes. And as always, thank you so much for your support. It means a lot to me. I love having you listen to me. And till next time, bye for now.